Hello friends and thank you so much for coming back to another episode of our women's empowerment mini series here on the edge of your podcast. I'm so excited to bring you today's guest episode with my friend Jess Wright. She and her husband are running a successful wedding photography company and I have watched her wear many hats. She's an absolute renaissance woman and she was just so easy to talk to. She's got a wonderful head on her shoulders and she has this lightness to her right now when you know when you're doing what you're meant to be doing and you're doing something that really fills you up inside and you can just feel that through her energy when you speak to her um, and when you listen to her. So I loved this episode. We talked about always having a willingness to learn and learning to transfer your skills from one seemingly unrelated position to the next and learning to recognize in yourself when your body is telling you that something is a fit for your life and in alignment with your values and your dreams or when it doesn't. Um, Jess speaks very openly about her advocacy for mental health and she talks about her struggles with postpartum depression and things like that. She talks about wanting to raise her children to be the most kind and compassionate, loving kids that she possibly can raise them to be. Um, And how when she found yoga, she was able to really see the way that we are so capable of so much more than we ever thought. And sometimes when you see those physical results happening from practice, you learn that chipping away little bits of practice, little by little, can get you somewhere different than where you are today. Um, So this was a real feel good story. Um, I loved, like I said, Jess's energy the whole time, uh, such an awesome conversation. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to bring this one to you guys. If you love this episode, be sure to share it on your Instagram story. You can tag me at Liz without a pillow, tag Jess at Jess Wright, W R I G H T at home or her business Instagram at Atlas and Stone. Um, And if you really love it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast, hosted by Liz Basil-Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs, with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. I've got a friend of mine here, um, one of the few people I've had on recently that I actually know in real life, and I didn't just meet on the internet. Um, So I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, We talked a couple weeks ago, Jess, um, and I just loved our conversation, and I was really inspired and motivated by you, and I really have been so inspired and motivated by you, um, you know, since we met in like 2014. So would you like to introduce yourself? I sure would. Um, Hi there. My name is Jess Wright. I go by Jess or Jessica. And I am currently, you know, as we all change throughout our lives, I'm currently a wedding photographer in the southern southeastern massachusetts area um not quite boston just outside 
and I have a family in the area, um, in my house. I'm a mom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I am a dog mom. I'm a cat mom. I'm a business owner. Um, I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. You know, all that good stuff. So that's me in a nutshell. And I'm super happy to be here, Liz. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. What a fun way of saying that you're a mom. I have family in the area <laughs> in my house. <laughs> so it's nice to kind of break the ice right at the beginning. Somebody says something silly. It's usually me, so I appreciate <laughs> the break. Oh, this isn't the only silliness you will get. <laughs> Um, so Jessica reminded me of one of the first conversations that we had when we first met, um, (laughs) Jess and I were both, I think I was maybe training or maybe it was just my first person or my first time, um, teaching with somebody, uh, from a different gym, but we worked at, um, my gym children's fitness center and we were teachers there for you know varying ages and i think it was the first time jessica was i keep trying to call you jess but i know you do generally go by jessica (laughs) i know i can and i always have i'm like this is wrong she goes um but i think it was the first time that you that i was working with a teacher from a different gym um and you reminded me that in our first conversation, I asked you how you got pregnant and if you were on birth control at the time. And it's funny because when I like think back on like the last few years of my journey, I'm like, I really started to open up in the last two years. Like that's when I really started to like relate to people. And like people tell me about things that I've said to them over like my whole 20s. I just apparently never had a filter and always... (laughs) just led with whatever I was thinking in my brain. Are you, are you honestly telling me right now that you've just started to open up in the past two years because you've honestly been one of the most unfiltered people I've ever met? (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) I mean, I definitely thought that it was like more recent, but apparently (laughs) I wasn't as self-aware. You've leaned into it. Yeah, exactly. I know it's a superpower now. Um, But so, Jess, your story has always really been very inspiring to me. Um, You were a young mother then, um, and that was, you know, five or six years ago. And I just loved the confidence that you had, you know, in front of our students, the confidence um, and you, you were just, you were like such, I don't know, you were just such a role model. I, I don't, I think you're the same age as me. What year are you born? 1991. Okay, so you're actually two years younger than me, but you just held yourself with this, like, this way about you, Um, and I felt like staff was inspired by you. You had this very unique voice, Um, and so I was 24, 25 then, so you were 22 or 23, Mm -hmm. Um, and you just, you, you seemed, you know, much wiser and older than that. (laughs) You were like an old soul. Um, And (laughs) as you were kind of telling me your story, and I learned that you were the oldest of, you know, many siblings, uh, it kind of all started to make sense a little bit for me. Um, So I'd love to kind of get a little bit of your story here for our listeners. um, And we can go from there on some of the lessons you've learned. Absolutely. So, um, 
yeah, I guess I'll start with all of my siblings. <laughs> um, I have, you know, I'm the oldest of seven. I had, I come from a, a blended family. My parents actually divorced when I was young and then remarried and had other kids. So um, I'm the oldest of a very blended clan. And, um, you know, Liz, you and I had a conversation recently about being the latchkey kids in the 90s, you know, where we, you know, uh, were home for hours <laughs> after school because it was just what kids did. You know, we got off the bus and we entertained ourselves with Degrassi and Cheez-Its and Coca-Cola for a few <laughs> hours. And um, that was that. And, you know, nowadays it's like unheard of. But anyway, that's what I was. I was essentially a third parent once I got to a certain age. Um, once I was driving, especially I was um, bring my siblings around at practices to school. Um, you know, I, I had a boyfriend, so I was driving a lot, you know, and I was very, you know, I was always told that I was mature for my age. And I think I would counter that and say that I'm not necessarily mature or, you know, ahead of any of my peers, but I'm very self-aware. Um, and I have been from a very young age. And I think that came from just anxiety. Um, as a child, I was a very anxious child. Uh, I, you know, my therapist and I have gone into all of the layers of why that may be, which I won't get into for your listeners, but you know, I was an anxious <laughs> kid. I was an anxious kid. I had a lot of feelings. I felt my feelings very deeply. Um, and that led me uh, to being very aware of the effect I had on people, of the way I spoke to people. Um, I would try to phrase the way I said certain sentences to try to make sure I didn't get certain reactions out of people. Like if I wanted to ask for something, um, and I knew that the answer might be no, I would really phrase my question so they wouldn't really know what I was asking until the very end. So I wouldn't have to feel the no until they said it. <laughs> um, and I just was so aware of how people felt, you know, as an empath, I was an empath at a young, as a young child. And <clears throat> in hindsight, that's what I've always been. And being self-aware led to me just kind of having an upper hand and, and blending in when I needed to. So as a young mom at my gym, when I was, I think I was 20, I think I just turned 24 by the time I started. My son was 2014. No, I just turned 23. So I was 23. And um, you and I both know that the, my gym, the parents who attend my gym are typically more affluent. Um, it's a luxury service to be able to take your kid to a baby gym that isn't a part of a public school system to pay for it. And the parents who were there, you know, especially in the places where I worked, like, you know, Medfield, Massachusetts, Newton, Massachusetts, a lot of the moms drove Range Rovers <laughs> and had giant diamonds on their left hands. And I, you know, I was a low income mom coming in and I was an accidental mom. I didn't plan to have a kid at 22. Um, I was not married. Um, I was engaged, but <laughs> and, and so I had to, as they say, fake it till you make it. And so I was aware of the fact that I was, you know, quote unquote, different than these other moms and aware of the fact that I didn't necessarily fit in. So I needed to be confident about the position I was in. I didn't want to feel, feel as vulnerable as I felt. And so I wanted to put on a face for other people. Um, I wanted other people to think that I was confident and content and, you know, really into what I was, even if I wasn't. And that, you know, in hindsight has served me well as an adult, I think it would serve anyone well to kind of try to bloom where you're planted, but um, any sort of confidence that I really gave off when I was 23 
was an act. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't feel confident. I was terrified. Like I said, I wouldn't, I wasn't supposed to be a mom. Um, I didn't really want kids. I had never really thought, you know, I want to be a mom someday. You know, I want to, that wasn't really part of my plan. I went to school for speech pathology and when that didn't work out, um, I actually, you know, I actually had to, you know, you and I spoke about this, but I actually had to leave school when, you know, a couple of years in just because I couldn't afford it. And um, that really made me pivot when I was 19, 20. So pivoting from being a speech pathologist into working at a bookstore and um, working at a children's gym to survive, basically, um, made me, first of all, be really good at adapting. Um, and second of all, be really good about looking like I knew what I was doing, even when inside I was like, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for saying that I, I appeared confident and put together um, because I tried really hard to look that way. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny that you say that because you, you say it confidently now. And I feel like that's the way that I say it now about the looking back years. And, you know, sometimes we don't always reflect on the growth that has happened since then. I, I talk about that a lot in, uh, you know, my first few blogs and the first couple of episodes um, on this podcast about how we all think, or at least in my, in my perception, from my perspective, it always seems like everybody else has it all together and that we're the only one that doesn't when in reality like most of the people around you like feel like they don't have it together but yet we're all getting by you know with the exception of those who aren't so like nobody really has it together and you know that's why I love having these conversations because this is very you know enlightening to me you did seem like you had it all together though I will Thank <laughs> you, you really did you're welcome <laughs> um that it's it's so interesting um you know I I think of the next role that I knew you in because I didn't know you at the bookstore. I, I met you at the gym um, and you and I had talked about how, um, you know, you were working these odd jobs to just to make ends meet um, and just to kind of survive, like you said. Um, but when I saw you go from, you know, teacher to trainer to all of a sudden you're like running the books for all of these different um franchise branches and i was like oh my god i mean i specifically hate numbers <laughs> so like that's so far out of my wheelhouse that like i i remember being like i can't even do like i can't even make schedules like i don't want to have anything to do with payroll i don't want to have to look at an excel sheet but obviously by the end of you know a year or two in a managerial position you kind of have to get over that um right. and, and like you said bloom where you're planted um but i was so impressed by your ability to pivot and your ability to um you know, to transfer your skills, the skills that you'd learned, the things that you'd learned you were good at, or maybe weren't good at your weaknesses. Um, and it always seemed like you wanted to learn uh, and you, you were looking for like efficient ways to do it. And I was so inspired by that because again, as like a young mom, like you don't have fucking time to be wasting on <laughs> <laughs> dilly dallying to get something done. If there's a better way to do it, like you wanted to know. And, and it was always really cool to see that, um, you know, that initiative in you. Thanks. Thank you, Liz. 
I was handed a lot when I worked in that position. Uh, when I started um, at my gym, I wanted to be a, it was a break for me. I wanted to be a yoga teacher. Um, I wanted to teach kids how to do circle time. You know, I wanted to play games with kids. I, it was a break for me because I was coming from a very demanding place um, in higher, higher education events management. Um, because I like, um, I don't know if I had mentioned this before, but I was basically running the university commencement um, for Boston University in regards to all of the caps and gowns and all of that, which was a lot of responsibility and very stressful because professors like to email late at night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm experiencing that now as I yes. am back in college. Yes. Like, what are you doing awake right now? Stop oh sending homework. Important emails too, not just, you know, just checking in. No, like big emails. Like, hey, this, this assignment is due tomorrow or I need this by tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some heavy stuff. And for yeah. me, it was more like, the color of my hood is the wrong shade of orange and I'm walking across the stage tomorrow. You know, that's what I was getting. Um, but it was, it was, it was stressful. Um, and I wanted a break. So when I started at my gym and I started in a teaching role, um, and I was in that role for about a year when I was offered the position to do some books, do some payroll, um, it, becoming from that break of having a nice, like, ah, I've been working part-time for a year. Like, it didn't seem like that big of a shift, um, but you and I, you know, the person that you and I were working for was in a very growth mindset, and I didn't know that at the time. Um, I didn't know him, and I didn't know that he was in a growth mindset, and I learned very quickly <laughs> that he was, <laughs> that he was, um, and you know, I rode that wave for a few years and I'm glad that it was inspiring because there, there were times that it was very stressful and I, but it, there are times that I look back and I'm like, I wouldn't be able to run my business nearly as well without the things I learned working for that person um, or working for that business and doing all the things that I did and juggling all the balls that I did that I admittedly dropped all the time. <laughs> But anyone would. It was an insane amount of work. <laughs> yeah, again, <clears throat> being under this person, as much as it really was, it was such an opportunity to get to work for somebody who is in that growth mindset and to see mm -hmm. like somebody who is like, we're going to commit to this and we're going to mm -hmm. do this no matter how hard we have to work. Because there will be times in our life where we want to be in a hustle season um, and where we want to, you know, conquer the world. But there are also times where you realize or where you should realize, I don't know if everybody does realize this, but when you're like delegating work and when you have employees and like a staff, like everybody isn't going to have the same return on their investment. Right. <laughs> so like you can't be expecting your staffers at like minimum wage or just above to be, you know, giving up all of their social life and all of their like physical, you know, and mental well-being for your dream. Um, and I don't know if you were going to go somewhere with the last thing that you ended off um, or if I should just, I'm going to just go, go for it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> to see, um, I want to say it was like maybe 2018. I think it was the year, the, the year that I ended up leaving the gym um, later that year was when you um, posted on Facebook about starting 
this new photography company with mm. your husband. Um, and I was like, you know, it's only a matter of time before the go-getter girls that are underneath you, sir, <laughs> are gonna really start to, I mean, forget about like um, a mutiny, like, cause who cares about that? But like, right. it's only a matter of time before we realize what we're capable of. And if I'm capable of doing this for you and your dream, maybe I'm capable of doing it, you know, for myself and for my dreams and for, oh you know, my, God, my family. Yes. And this could apply to literally any woman in any career situation, right? Like the gig economy is rising up and there are a lot, there's a lot of female power behind it because a lot of women are realizing I, you know, this little hobby I have at my house on my spare time is making me money and I'm learning these skills out in the workforce that I can be replicating at home or I can be replicating elsewhere and they're killing it. Like I'm following so many badass women right now who are just taking their careers by the reins. And instead of working for someone else's dream by proxy, they're just setting their eyes on a prize and saying, this is what I want to do. I know that I can make it work. And honestly, once you have that push, whether it be from a layoff or making yourself quit a job or having to pivot because of a pandemic, um, sometimes that push is all you need to realize that the free fall really wasn't that fast. You know, like it, it's really not that scary. Yeah, it's not that scary. That's, you know, that's the analogy of the title of this podcast, The Edge of Fear, that like yes. when we get to that edge of fear moment that, you know, do I jump or do I not? Do I like dive into this or do I back away like I always do at this time, you know, because we all have that moment of courage and that moment of fear. And it's just a matter of like, which wolf you feed kind of thing. Like, do I jump? Do I go for this all in, like really commit to it? Or, you know, do I, I get like chills every time I talk about it. No, I love <laughs> the it. title of my own podcast still gives me yes. chills a year yes. in. <laughs> you know, someone, someone told me once that if something's giving you anxiety, you have to, you know, when you're faced with that thing, you do have to decide, okay, I'm all in. And if you put on that attitude and you approach that task and you feel energized by that all in mentality, then, then you can do it. It's something that you can handle. But if that all-in mentality, once you're in it, is just giving you anxiety and you can't wait for it to be over and it's not feeding you spiritually, mentally, physically, it's okay to say, this isn't for me. You know, like the, all of the edges aren't necessarily going to be transformative edges that, you know, like leap you into you know, uh, astounding careers and fantastic, you know, futures, like some edges are, are going to be shitty <laughs> totally. and some, some edges are going to be like, nope, that's not for me. And, and I had a lot of edges. Um, I think we've obviously, we've all had a lot of edges, but over the past, you know, five years, I've stood on many ledges and I've jumped off many ledges and a lot of them didn't end so well. Um, in career wise and trying to adapt to situations that at the time I thought I could handle that I couldn't handle and realizing that not everyone has to be super into hyperspeed change and hyperspeed growth. Like some people can be okay with, you know, hitting a plateau and enjoying that plateau for a while and developing systems and developing organization before they move on to the next level. Um, and and I think it's okay to have people in, in both sides and both camps. Um, and those edges are where we kind of decide or where we figure out 
what camp we're in. You know, some people see every edge as a, as a springboard, you know, like I can, right. I can see the other side. This, this edge is nothing to me. I'm, I'm on a springboard. I'm just going to jump right across it. Some people are like, this is a leap. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to be able to stretch this. I don't know if my hamstrings can take it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. For thank, thankfully the photography for us felt like a springboard. Like it really felt like we stood on that edge and we were like, nope, we can see, we can see the other side. This is doable. We can do this. Three, two, one, go. Yeah. You touched on so many things um, just now um, that I just really want to like highlight for people, you know, when that anxiety versus being energized by something, I think it's so common for us to just besides there's there's so many things that are very common for us as humans <laughs> especially like I feel like this generation we're kind of like the start of like serious childhood anxiety um mm. being like much more commonplace and I, I I kind of attribute it um you know partially to technology and um rising standards social media things like that um, but that's not what the conversation is about today. Um, and it's uh, certainly not my expertise, but I'm hot on it right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to mention it anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> but that anxiety versus energized by something. I think we so often, we feel the fear and we recognize the fear. And we're like, you know, this is kind of the flip side of the coin is like, I can do this because it's hard, because I'm a champion, because I'm a winner, because, you know, I've overcome hard things before, but really learning to recognize in yourself when you're doing something for somebody else versus when it's in alignment with you, because as women, we just so commonly want to people please and we want to mm -hmm. do things for other people and when you're doing something that is not in alignment with your true values with your true core beliefs it's going to come back and it's, and it's just, it's never going to fill you up. It's never going to be what you need and you're always going to be exhausted by it. So just learning to kind of recognize whether you're actually energized by this or whether it's actually gives you it's something that gives you a pit in your stomach and you hate going to work because listen, there are some days where you're just going to hate going to work because it's a hard day and it's a hard season and your, you know, family life is hard or school life is hard or your relationship is hard or whatever it is. That's very different from, I don't want to go to work every day because this job is sucking my soul out of me. Like, yeah. and just recognizing that and learning to trust yourself and, and learning to trust the decision and whether that's a leap down the right cliff <laughs> with your harness <laughs> properly attached or you know if that's going to be a leap down like a wrong career for a couple of years and you know we have this really awesome new flexibility you know being in the 21st century where no one's expecting us to stay in the same career for 40 years no one is expecting us to stay in the same company for 20 30 40 years until retirement people change their careers like they change their underwear. <laughs> so like trust yourself and give yourself a chance and give yourself a chance to fail and give yourself a chance to learn and learn new things. Absolutely. You know, I didn't, 
I don't want, I feel like some of this is coming off. Like I, I, I walked away from my last career. I want this to be very clear. I was laid off. <laughs> I didn't look at, you know, sit down and look at my dream and have a vision board and have a brainstorm and say, yep, this is the right time to leave my job. I was laid off. Um, and it was not my decision. I didn't see it coming. And the first few days after that were really, really difficult. And I did have a lot of, you know, waffling back and forth. Like I thought that was for me, you know, there were times that it was hard, but when it was good, it felt really good. And now that option is taken away from me. What am I supposed to do now? And, you know, I did have my photography business at the time, it, but it was a side hustle. It was not something that I could see supporting my three children and dog and two cats and eight fish. I do have eight fish. <laughs> well, thank you for clarifying that. Cause I literally <laughs> forgot that even like that feels to me like a blip in your story. Like right. it almost it, like doesn't even matter because you had already started the business with your husband and you had, you know, you had already overcome so much hardship and you were pregnant with the twins or no, you'd had the children. No, the I have. Yeah. You would have the children. You'd have the twins like a year earlier, but I, I, genuinely forgot that you even got laid off. I remember talking with you about it now that you say it. Um, and it really is, that's significant to the story because you had to so totally lean into this side hustle yeah. without any planning, which isn't very you. You are very much a planner type person. I think you just posted about this on Instagram, didn't you? Oh my God, I so did. I so did. So <laughs> I'm super, I'm super into the Enneagram. Um, I'm an Enneagram six, very strong six, wing five. And <laughs> I, if you, if you don't know the Enneagram, you know, there's nine different numbers slash personalities and you are a shade of one of them and a shade of the ones next to it. And I won't get too into it, but number sixes are very into preparation, overanalyzing, being um, on top of the ball, being ahead of the game, being three steps ahead of whatever is going on. And that is very much me. I like a schedule. I like a routine. I like knowing what's going on that day. I'm not a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. I am not spontaneous in any way, um, and it is difficult for me to adapt to change quickly. Um, if something changes, I can't adapt to it. You know, I, I'm very resilient. I'm, I can be flexible when I need to be, but it does take me a little bit longer than other people, and that doesn't work in every in every career. Obviously, if you're working in a fast-paced environment, it's not going to be self-sustaining um, to hire people who overthink their decisions. <laughs> so um, over the past five years, you know, I was slowly learning as the company that I was in, um, that you and I were both in, was growing very quickly. Um, I was learning more and more that my personality type was not working. And um, toward the end, um, the reason why my husband and I started this photography company is because we were both so burnt out just from going to work and going to bed. Um, I think everybody can relate to that is eventually at some point in your life as an adult, you will work a job where you just feel like you're going to work and coming to bed and going to work and going to bed. You know, there's no, you're working for the weekend and sometimes the weekend's not even that fun. You're just on your couch watching Netflix. So we were in that rut and I wasn't feeling energized. I was feeling anxious. I was feeling anxiety. 
about the job that I had, not because it wasn't fulfilling. I was enjoying it. Um, it, it did offer me a lot of benefits and I was working with a lot of great people, you included, but it was not, you know, it, it didn't, felt like I had reached the level I was going to reach, you know, and, and there was not a lot left for me to keep going for. And I'm an ambitious person. I like to have goals to plan for. Um, and I just wasn't feeling super energized by that. So anyway, Kevin and I decided to kind of lean into a talent that he had, actually. I'm not a photographer <laughs> of, the, of, the, of our relationship. He went to school for it. You know, he has serious raw talent for it. And he taught me in the beginning how to do this. So he deserves a lot of the, you know, technical credit for this business because the talent didn't come from me. Um, what did come from me though, was all of the business operations, um, which I learned working at the company that I grew to realize wasn't for me. Um, and I think that that's an important lesson for everyone to learn is that in the situations that are tough or boring or not soul wrenchingly fulfilling, you're still learning. You know, I, I learned how to open an LLC by working for this business. I learned how to run Facebook ads. I learned how to file quarterly taxes. I learned how to do a lot of stuff that I didn't learn at Emerson studying to be a speech pathologist. Um, and I'm so eternally grateful for those things that I learned in a situation that wasn't my ideal, you know? So when I was laid off at the end of that, you know, five-year journey, it was like, I had the opportunity to go out and get another job doing what I was doing, um, which at the time, I think when I left, I was in a marketing role for this company. So I had been doing a lot of marketing and good at marketing. I've realized I've picked up that over the past five years. I realized that I have a talent for it and I could go get a job doing that full time for someone else because Kevin worked at home doing the photography, but I chose to lean into a photography business that was still brand new. <laughs> um, instead of going out to find a salary job with benefits, because I also learned in that five years that my family and my long-term vision for our family is the most important thing to me. And people, bosses, coworkers, you know, workplaces are going to come and go as they do in lifetimes. But you know, when, when someone gives your eulogy, they rarely talk about your workplace. <laughs> they talk about, you know, the impact that you made in your career. Sure, maybe if you were a nurse, they talk about all the lives that you touched. Maybe if you're a teacher, all the children that you taught. If you're a photographer, all the brides that you shot. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, but you know, they'll mostly talk about, you know, how good of a person you are, how wholesome, how kind, compassionate. And that is my long-term vision for my family. I want my family to be full of compassion and warmth and knowledge and love. And I want us to be living on a farm in Rehoboth with chickens and goats and <laughs> have a guest house for my adult children to stay in when they visit with their family so they don't have to stay in my house. <laughs> I have big dreams, right? And I don't think that I can get those dreams on, you know, a fixed, very small increase salary rate every year for the next 25, 30 years. Like I want to be in control over the money coming in so that I can control the output of the goals we're working toward. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's, again, getting back to that, like getting in alignment with yourself and learning to trust yourself, you know, and drawing up your dreams that you want to manifest, that you want to turn into reality. 
if you're not crystal clear on that vision, then you're, you're going in a, you know, directionless path. And a lot of times the directionless path will get you where you're meant to be anyway, but it does feel really nice <laughs> to feel like you have a little bit of say in it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like what you said, like control the money coming in because, you know, at some point, for example, a situation like 2020, something's mm -hmm. going to happen, you know, and you're really not going to have that much control over the situation anymore. So while you can, and if you can, if you have that ability, if you have those talents inside and, and that initiative and that go-getterness that so many of us do, so many more of us than I think we even acknowledge in ourselves, we have that, that fire burning inside us. When you're in alignment with what you want and you know that what you put into this is going to directly correlate with what you get out of it. It feels so fulfilling. It is, you know, mm. the opposite of that soul sucking job. It is like that soul lifting job. This is the job that is a career. This is the job that is a passion and that, you know, really fills your tank and really fills your cup and really gives you life and, and makes it so that you can breathe life into everything that you're doing. Liz, I literally cry tears of joy at my job right now. <laughs> I do, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm a sap, so I cry at weddings anyway. But, you know, I'm a wedding photographer. When a bride dances with her dad at her wedding, I'm a baby because I'm so happy to be there, right? I'm not even a guest, right? I'm, I'm the person who they hired to capture it. But I'm just so happy to be in an environment that is literally made out of love. The reason that this job that I have exists right now is because people love each other. Like, how awesome is that? I love my job. <laughs> and like so many people are not saying that in this year, you know, so many people are really being faced with how much they hate their job and how much they've been wanting to leave their job for years. I mean, what a blessing in, dis in disguise getting laid off in January of 2020 was for you. Oh my God. It was such a blessing in disguise and like I said before I was so upset for a few days it was it was a very soul-searching few days and I it was a soul-searching few days in that I had to figure out in my mind how to make the photography work it's so funny that I didn't even really entertain the idea of working for someone else I just knew like okay this is the sign this is me being pushed into the business that is doing well like you know i didn't make this decision based on a business that was doing okay we were doing very well at the time and we had frankly more work that we probably could handle on top of me working this full-time job um and so it did feel like it, it was part of an alignment it was a part of a path when i was laid off and it was a painful shift like it felt right but it felt like it felt like a breakup that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like a breakup. Um, I was at the end of a relationship that had gotten toxic <laughs> and I, through no choice of my own, I was set free of that relationship. And then for the first few days, I was like, why me? I need Ben and Jerry's and, you know, Bridget Jones. And then, and then I was, and then I, you know, picked my head up from my tissues and I realized like, I have a an amazing business right now with my husband that is paying the bills. If I put the energy that I've been putting toward this full-time job into this business, I really feel like this could work. I really think, I know this could work and it did, it has worked. Here we are. 
I, I love it. I, I really have loved watching this story kind of unfold, um, you know, behind the scenes kind of a little bit. I'm off to the side, but from the sidelines, I've loved watching <laughs> it <laughs> unfold. Um, and I want to kind of step back a little bit um, just because something that we had talked about um, that I think would, you know, really impact a lot of people who might be listening to this. Um, you were telling me during our last conversation um, about how, and I think it's you know relevant to making this shift and making this change, how when you first started working at the gym, it was really just a break for you, um, but that when you kind of went all in on it and you decided to you know take this job seriously like all of your other many hats that you've worn um you know what can i learn from this position and and let me really take it seriously when i'm here um and you kind of learned through the job that you enjoyed the physicality of it um and then you kind of shifted gears towards yoga um and it it opened lots of other doors for you um i'd love to just kind of talk about briefly um, how you're learning to like go with the flow and, and how kind of the gym and yoga um, uh, has kind of transformed your experience a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So a lot of my interest in fitness and wellness came from um, a response to me having a pretty serious postpartum depression, actually. So um, as a big advocate for you know, mental health, um, trigger warning, I am going to mention, you know, some content about like depression and suicide, but my, when I was in college, I had a mental breakdown, complete mental breakdown. Um, actually just after I left college, it was right around the time I realized that I couldn't go back to the finances. It was like devastating for me. I'm over here making like the motion of like a fist hitting a wall, like devastating for me. <laughs> um, it was, you know, I was on a path, you know, I had had my eyes on this vision of being a speech pathologist in a school and to find out that I couldn't go back to my dream college that I had been loving and really, really been living a life. Um, it was really difficult. And, you know, I had already been struggling with some anxiety from childhood that we talked about and, some newfound depression that I didn't really know was something that was inside of me, but it is something that runs in my family pretty deeply. I hit a really, really, really terrible wall. And it's the first time um, that I really went through a very, very hard time in my life. And around the same time, um, my boyfriend of three years broke up with me. And it was like such a double whammy on such a vulnerable person. Um, I was very, I was mentally fragile at the time. I was having some suicidal ideations and I was, I was feeling so absolute rock bottom, you know, in hindsight, there are, there are bigger rock, rock bottoms than I was in. And I'm glad that I have that perspective now, but at the time, oh baby, I was a mess. And I did, um, I had a suicide attempt when I was 19. And that was a huge wake up call for me in regards to mental health. It made me, you know, I spent a week and a half um, in Cambridge Hospital in the maintenance of psychiatric unit. And I learned a lot about perspective there and a lot about, you know, I don't like to say real problems because problems are real to whoever's experiencing them, but understanding that emotions come and go, understanding that the way that some things make us feel is not necessarily the reality of that situation, understanding to 
how to manage anger and sadness in tangible ways. Um, coping skills that I didn't learn growing up being from such a large family where my parents were admittedly and understandably focused on raising their six other kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't have a, a strong foundation in how to self-soothe or how to deal with a lot of complex emotions. And I learned how to deal with those things at Cambridge Hospital during that week and a half. Um, and I was involuntarily committed, by the way, like it was not my choice to be there. I was told I had to stay there. I had to go through evaluations to leave. And when I left, I was medicated and had a plant, you know, it was a very big deal. Right. But it, it set me on a very positive mental health path. And I have since become very, you know, I talk about being self-aware. I'm very aware of my mental health now. I'm very aware of when the brain fog is becoming a problem, when the brain fog is actually turning into depression. You know, I'm aware of when my bouts of rage are not just PMS and they are something deeper. Um, and that is something that I picked up on after having my son, you know, after having my son, when I had a pretty, a relatively normal, you know, not sad pregnancy. It was a very normal pregnancy. Um, after I have him, I had him, I had some bonding issues with him as a young mom who wasn't expecting to be a mom. And those bonding issues once, you know, coupled with my hormonal issues about giving birth led to this postpartum storm. Um, and I knew when I was waist deep in it that I needed to do something because I remembered, you know, from years ago, this isn't going to turn out well if I don't get help. Um, and so I did seek help through counseling, through medication, and I found yoga um, in the first few months after my son was born in response to all of this. And yoga was such a key shift for me. Um, it's so funny that now, you know, a lot of Eastern practitioners of yoga don't like the way that the West focuses on the asana, the poses. Um, but I loved focusing on the poses because it shut my brain off for X amount of time to do a crow pose. It shut my brain off to focus on learning how to do a chaturanga over and over and over again for an hour. And the physical benefits that come from doing a chaturanga over and over and over for an hour are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I had amazing shoulders for the first time. I felt like I was so in shape and I was seeing the shift in my body that I had never seen before. I was, I was never really an athlete in high school. Um, I was thin, but not toned. And I was doing yoga, doing Ashtanga yoga and really focusing on holding poses for long periods of time um, really gave me a strength, a physical and visible strength that felt really empowering and was very new. So the reason I sought out this break from my job working in the uh, university events department was the reason I turned towards yoga and fitness and wellness is because I had already used it to kind of ride out of a dark place. And I didn't want to get off the ride because it was still a great ride. <laughs> I still, you know, I loved going to yoga class. I got certified to teach it. I was teaching kids yoga too. And it was, it was, oh, I love talking about it. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> and I still, you know, every time I fall into a Shadaranga, I feel so powerful. And I hope that if any of your listeners do yoga and they know what I'm talking about, that they're nodding along like, yes, Chaturanga, yes. <laughs> uh, because it feels so good to hold that and hold it well. So 
yeah, the yoga was a huge motivator for me to both be well in body, mind, and spirit and understand that if you focus on something and you have goals, even if you're not really trying to reach those, like they can be attainable and you can, you can see the physical changes along the way, the mental changes along the way, even if it's not so black and white. Um, and that was a big learning experience for me. Yeah, I, I, I just love that story. <laughs> and I think it is so important for, um, not that it's like, you know, this isn't anything new, but when you're in those like dark places, um, I also just really want to acknowledge you for the language that you use around things um, surrounding mental health. I think just the way that you said so confidently, like um, thoughts of rage and suicidal ideation. And I think that those are things that people are very um, privy to. We understand, you know, on a human level what that means, thoughts of rage, because we all get that. Um, but I think, like, I don't even think I've ever heard it stated that way. And as soon as you said it, I was like, yep, I know that. I have that in common. I have thoughts of rage. Um, you know, like, we, we all get angry. We all get what does it even matter if I live or die, you know, and maybe right. we don't say it, but like we think it and we feel it. And, and it's so incredibly powerful when you realize that your body is capable of more than you previously thought, because it really opens your eyes to like, well, maybe my mind is capable of more than I thought. Maybe I am capable of more than I thought, you know? Absolutely. I, I can't even begin to describe how cool it felt to just all of a sudden be able to do a handstand, you know, like to be able to do these cool, you know, really, really challenging um, physical poses that I saw experienced yogis doing in my classes, just over trying and trying again and learning the power of practice um, and the persist and the power of persistence. And it's, it's crazy that it took me that long <laughs> to make, to see that in my own life. You know, I know that a lot of people see that early on, especially athletes. Um, but I wasn't an athlete growing up. So it took me, you know, 25 years to figure it out, but I did. <laughs> well, I think even, I mean, cause I was an athlete growing up and I, I know the importance of practice. I know that, you know, if, if I wasn't, if my corner kicks were shit on Monday, if I worked on them every day, you know, maybe by the game on Saturday, they'd be better, but I didn't really take that with me and apply it in the rest of my life until now. And even now, like after 11 days of meditating, if I miss a day, like on the second day after I miss, I'm like, well, does it really matter? I already broke my streak anyway, you know, like you forget right. to have grace for yourself and that like everything requires practice. Um, and so, you know, when we have those, those monumental shifts, when we have those transformations, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that like, okay, and now I have learned this lesson and I'll never need to learn it again. Right. We might learn it a thousand more times in our life. In different ways, for sure. Totally. Um, well, I do want to wrap it up here pretty soon, but um, I'd love to hear kind of if you have any like final thoughts. Uh, there were a few things that we said we were going to talk about that we haven't gotten a chance to, um, but maybe just like a final lesson or anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to share with anybody. Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, so 
in summary. (laughs) (laughs) No, I won't talk like that. Um, You know, you know, I used to listen to a lot of these um, podcasts, you know, talking about people's, quote, you know, more or less success stories. um, And they were really inspiring to me because it was, it became so clear how easy it is to really turn these into something you can do in your own life. Um, I learned how to be a photographer, you know, from my husband, obviously showing me the technical stuff, but I, I learned how to run a business from learning, opening an LLC and then listening to podcasts and listening to people's anecdotes on how they ran their business and how they got off the ground and being like, well, I could probably apply that in my life. And obviously things aren't going to be, um, what's the word, replicable. (laughs) Obviously things aren't going to be applicable in everyone's life, but it was so powerful for me to hear that there were other accidental moms out there who were kicking ass in their Etsy businesses and were feeding their families with it. You know, it was so powerful to me to hear that there were women who were teaching yoga classes on the side and decided to open a studio and are still kicking butt with that. And people who were working as servers who end up being, you know, GMs of the restaurant. I just really love, you know, elbow grease stories. I really love stories of grit. And I feel like people have the idea that, or I had the idea that (laughs) you had to come from some sort of leg up. And I just want it to be so clear that I came from such a bottom, (laughs) not, I'm not, I don't come from rags in any, in that sort of sense, but I came from a low place of mental health. I came from a low place of income. I came from a low place of really what I felt social standing. Like I don't have friends or family in this area. Um, But really focusing on my mental health and focusing on just what I could change in my life that was tangible and seeing that we had talents that really could turn into lifelong careers without breaking a sweat. It, Liz, I don't even really know where I'm going with this. I'm just so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so happy that it has all worked out. And I just, I want it to be so clear to your listeners that it will work out and you don't have to, you know, if you are pushed in a direction that feels scary or feels like an edge, like just, it could be an energizing edge. And even if it's not an energizing edge, it could be an edge of growth, you know? Totally. I, I knew where you were going with it. I knew you were going to pull it back together and tie it up. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know, that's really where I'm coming from on this little like mini series of women's empowerment stuff. I, I think I might have mentioned to you, but like when I was, you know, building up the courage to leave my toxic relationship after five years to include a year of long distance, um, you know, it was only upon hearing the success stories of other women that I built the strength to do that because had I not seen other women do it in the past, I don't, I don't know if I would have ever left. And, and I was having, you know, these, these waking nightmares of, you know, I'm, I'm standing at the kitchen sink, washing the dishes and I'm like 
seeing my future of standing at the kitchen sink, washing the dishes, which by the way, I will be doing no matter what, because there's always <laughs> going to be dishes, but <laughs> with like a, a, a man who is a, basically a stranger to me, you know, I don't even know him because we don't connect on any other level. And those stories of overcoming those those hardships in our life are just so powerful. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, that like, it is, it is so inspiring to hear other, like you said, like success stories, other people who are happy. I mean, just that I'm so happy. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm so happy. I mean, that, what a, what a beautiful, wonderful, incredible feeling that not everybody has. And so like cherish that, love that. Um, I have watched your small business really grow this year. Um, and you'd mentioned to me another milestone. Um, so I do want to acknowledge you for that. What, 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 what have you done for, <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? Tell us. Tell everyone. Tell everyone. <laughs> um, so uh, I realized over the past couple of days um, that we are only going to be able to accommodate one more wedding for the 2021 season. And that is because we have 70 on the books right now. Oh my and God. if you, if you work in weddings, um, especially in weddings with high volume, like DJs and photographers or possibly officiants. Um, we work like 40 is a big year. So working 70 is bonkers. <laughs> and I realized that I, I just need to shut them down. I need to shut down the books. And I never, <laughs> I never thought that I'd be shutting down my books for the next year in September. That's something that you should be doing in the year you're booking, you know? So like I could, at this point I might be saying, I'm shutting down 2020 bookings. Like that would be a normal thing for me to say in September. No, <laughs> I'm right. shutting down 2021. And, and it's because of the massive success that my business has seen even during a pandemic because um, I've just, I've pivoted so hard into this and I really leaned into it and poured every bit of knowledge I've learned from every scary edge I've learned, I've been standing on, I have, into this business and it has paid us back 10 million fold <laughs> and you know someone told me once that if it doesn't feel natural it's not going to work um my friend Carrie told me that so I hope she's listening to this and hope she smiles but if it's not if it doesn't feel natural it's not going to work and it's so true because it's true everywhere. It's true if you're trying to park in a spot you don't usually park at. It's true if you're trying to make coffee in a different size mug than you usually make it. If it doesn't feel natural, it's not going to work. And this pivot into a career, a self-sustaining career, has felt so unbelievably natural um, because of the skills, knowledge, love, and light I have picked up over the past 10 years, you know? And it just, this feels natural, this feels good. I love it. I love it all. Um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. This is like, what, what an awesome, incredible thing. And like love does overcome and like trust yourself, trust your skills, trust your abilities that you've learned, that you've accumulated through your experiences. Um, I'm so proud of you, Jess. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, where can everybody find you? You can find me personally on Instagram at Jess Wright at home. And you can find my business Instagram at Atlas and Stone. And all of our associated websites are on that Instagram. So go find it. Awesome. And I will tag those in the show notes. 
um, Jess, I'll talk to you very soon. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.